Welcome to When They Popped. Let's rewind to a simpler time together and dive deep into the music, movement, and mania behind our favorite Y2K celebrities and trends. Hosted by Kelsey and Mary, it's time for another episode of When They Popped. Hello, and welcome to When They Popped. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Mary. Guys, this week we got some pretty breaking Y2K news, like major, major, major news for anybody who was born in the 90s. (laughs) So one of our favorite boy bands of the early 2000s is coming out with new music. By the time this podcast comes out, it will have already been out. It's Dream Street. What? I I never thought that I would see the day that Dream Street would be coming out with new music. I know. I thought they were like done. You know, I just thought it was like page turned, like done. But this is great. This is so great. But Mary and I, of course, did some digging and we found that the boys are coming back together, but sans Jesse McCartney, which is a little interesting because Mm -hmm. today's episode was always going to be dedicated to Jesse McCartney. <laughs> so it, the timing is all just a little so funny. It's a little on the nose, but I swear you guys, this was already planned before this yes. news broke. I'm thrilled for it, Kels. I just what are your thoughts on J Mac skipping out or what do you what do you think? I know it's interesting. Dream Street has been through a lot recently. One of their original members, Chris, passed away in 2020 during the pandemic. There hasn't been much information around his cause of death. What we've seen is that there was an undisclosed illness. There's some rumors around that maybe it was COVID. But that has not been confirmed by his family. And I feel like a moment like that, when you lose someone that you're really close with, it probably inspired the guys to get together. I know that they had reconnected during a virtual memorial service for Chris to perform. So I wonder if maybe that sort of rekindled their togetherness. But I am surprised that Jesse isn't a part of it because he was such an integral part of it. Even though he was one of the younger members, he was so prominent in all of their songs. It'll be interesting to see how it sounds and what the whole vibe of it is. It will be so interesting. So the timing of it all is just crazy. And we'll talk a little bit more about Dream Street in a bit as we chit-chat about our man, Jesse. Let's get right to it. Let's talk about the man of the hour, the talent beyond measure, blonde bombshell, Jesse <laughs> McCartney. My only question when it comes to Jesse, aside from why aren't you going to be in this new single, is why doesn't this man have more Instagram followers? How many does like, he have? Less than a million. I'm sorry, but this man carried the early 2000s on his back. Like, how does he not have a million? I'm genuinely confused why we don't talk about him every single day. He was the biggest heartthrob when we were kids. Like, where are those gals now? Stand up for your mans. Jesse was a star from a super young age. And today we're going to retell his story and blow your minds with how many projects this man has had his hands in. Mary... I know you were deeply in love with him also. I will say I'm a big Jesse McCartney fan in general, but my favorite of his music came a little bit later when Leavin came out. No, Leavin is good. And Jesse's someone that like, he has like a lot of great radio hits. I think we almost forget how many songs he used to have on the radio. But yes. if, you, if you're willing to like deep dive and go past those radio hits, I would argue some are even better than um, what you hear on the radio. So buckle your seatbelts. Let's take a journey. This is just how underappreciated he is and how soon people may have forgotten how he owned the radio waves in the 2000s. You can get a cameo from him for 200 bucks. Um, Brad, I have a birthday coming up next month. Uh, <laughs> this is what, what we're going to get. <laughs> Excuse me. Cameo, we got, we got a new customer. Yeah. Also, after doing some relatively light stalking on his Instagram, I've also discovered that Jesse has taken his acting chops to Instagram and he does these little like characters on his saved stories and some of them are kind of funny. I'm not trying to make fun of him, but I guess what I'm saying is he's giving me theater kid <sighs> energy and that makes me love him even more. And after digging into his background for research for today's episode, it it all just makes sense. So (laughs) let's get into it. Full disclaimer, we do not own or claim to own the rights to the songs or performances in this episode. The purpose of these clips is for commentary and critique. Quick background on Jesse. He was born in Westchester, New York. And by age seven, he was already a triple threat. I mean, what can this little blondie not do? He performed in local musicals. He was in Oliver. And he was even on the national tour of The King and I when he was just 10 years old. Mm. And guess who else was on that tour? Phil 
of the future, <laughs> Ricky Ullman. I think we're about to like break a record of how many episodes can we mention Ricky Ullman and because we were both so deeply in love with him. I mean, he was gorgeous. He was like a scientifically like good looking. I don't want to say man because he probably was like 14 years old. He was like 10, kid. yeah. <laughs> he was created in a lab. You're so right. He was yeah. pencil perfect. So from 1998 to 2000, Jesse sang with the group The Sugar Beats, which from my research search looks to be like the OG kids bop where they would cover these like kid friendly versions of popular songs. It's hilarious. I love a kids bop. I love hearing what they changed the lyrics to to make them more appropriate. I think it's like one of my favorite things ever. But what got Jesse famous was his role in the soap opera All My Children. And his role in the show earned him two Young Artist Awards and two Daytime Emmy Award nominations. Yeah. Talent! But in 1999, that's when Jesse entered his boy band era when he joined Dream Street. So let's talk about the band that has everyone talking this week with news of their new single. So Dream Street was assembled by Louis Baldarini and Brian Lukow. They're two music producers. Their group was originally called Boy Wonder, which was inspired by Robin from Batman Comics, LOL. <laughs> and Dream Street, then known as Boy Wonder, featured several young boys between the ages of 11 and 14, and they were specifically sourced from the New York Broadway an acting scene and they largely performed show tunes with oh. dance numbers which I know it's like a Broadway review with like little boys that's like kind of funny and like super niche as you've probably guessed they weren't super successful with this routine so they switched up the members of the group and renamed the group so Matt Ballinger Frankie Galasso and Jesse McCartney soon joined the original members Greg Raposo and Chris Truesdale and they became Dream Street the mm. new name was was inspired by the producer's recording studio in NYC, and their first single ever was <laughs> featured in the soundtrack for Pokemon the movie, and it's called They Don't Understand Pokemon version. Taylor <laughs> thinks she's the first one who had a version in her names, but no, Pokemon version came before Taylor's version. They don't really get what it's all This makes me laugh so hard because the lyrics are like, parents don't understand Pokemon. <laughs> and it's like, you're right. They don't understand. And honestly, neither did I when I was like age appropriate for Pokemon. So tell me why I had a whole ass Pokemon binder with like card protectors for all these freaking cards I didn't even know how to play with. Like what? This song was so funny because I remember listening to it and being like, yeah, like parents don't get it. They don't understand. And then they'd be like about Pokemon. And I'm like, wait, I don't relate to this. I don't understand what's going on. That took a right turn. <laughs> but it's, it's catchy. I'll give them that. Parents don't understand and neither do we. So after this breakthrough jam, as we'll call it, Dream Street's first album called Dream Street debuted in October 2000. And this did so well. It was certified gold in the U.S. It peaked at number 37 on the Billboard 200 and it sold more than 700,000 copies. That's not too shabby for a bunch of previous show tunes, boys, you know? This album gave us It Happens Every Time When I See You. That long note at the end of that clip there. Dream Street. That's our little baby J-Mac right there. It's so cute. His voice is so high. He must be such a baby. It's so cute. Yeah. He was the youngest singer in the group, but he held his own. He oh, sang yeah. the bridge. He nailed it. We need to talk about the music video. They're dancing on the Brooklyn Bridge. They're dancing in Times Square. They do choreo on a boat in the Hudson. They see their crushes at a phone booth, which are now like ancient artifacts. It was just so crazy to see like old New York City pre 9-11 in this music video. Ah. You can like make out the twin towers in the background of some of the shots, which is just very 
anchoring of like what time we were mm-hmm. in. But it's just so sweet. Those boys are breaking it down. They're having the time of their lives. It is adorable. It was just so nostalgic and like grainy quality, but like yeah. very it's just amazing. It reminded me I was like such a Chris girl growing up. They just all sound so young and look so young. They were like the age appropriate boy band that I should have been obsessed with. Yes. Yes. <laughs> if I wasn't so obsessed with Backstreet Boys. They were still like five years older than us too. That's I know. <laughs> but still that was more age appropriate than 20 years difference. Yes. Whatever. This album also gave us I say yeah. We love because it's a song about consent, you know? It says, I say, yeah, if you say all right, if you say all right, then I'll say okay. Non-problematic kings, teach them young. Little Jesse's voice in this song is so distinct and so cute. He gets the second verse on this one. And it's also just like really funny to me to hear them singing about like holding you in the moonlight. Like, boys, you're 12. (laughs) Your bedtime is before moonlight. Also, side note, when I was listening to this, I felt like the beginning of it sounded exactly like LMNT's Hey Juliet. Listening to the clips, it's like, I wonder if they had a similar production team or maybe that was just the sound of the time more common than even that. But I agree completely. It's like very similar. I think you're right. It was just the sound. It was just the vibe. And man, they had it. I also love the song Sugar Rush. It's so cute. Any other faves from this album, Mary, which is on Spotify, by the way. So we encourage everyone to give it a little listen. My favorite Dream Street song is actually on their album, The Perfect Fan. It's called Jennifer Goodbye. And it's like this like breakup love song ballad. I know it's kind of a deeper cut, but their little high-pitched voice, like like saying about relationship problems, I really thought I related to it growing up, and it still holds for me today. <laughs> so that was for their movie. Like yes. there was like a Dream Street movie, the perfect fan that I think Chris was the star of. Mary, that makes sense why you loved it so much. You're leading man. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. So in 2002, when Jesse was 15, things took a turn for the group when some super serious allegations came to light. All of the boys' parents, except for Chris's, Mary's leading man, mm-hmm. filed a lawsuit against the producers, alleging that the young boys were exposed to booze, women, and pornography and also for allegedly withholding funds from them. The lawsuit sought back pay and the release of all four boys from their current contract. The producers shot back that the parents were just trying to make a ton of money now that the group was popular. Are we surprised? Like, have we not seen what, you know, NSYNC and Backstreet Boys were exposed to with Luke Perlman, what they went through with their finances? Like, would it really be that crazy of an allegation? Honestly, in my opinion, no. Unfortunately, that seems to be a theme of people taking advantage of of young starlets with a lot of potential. But Jesse left the group before the case was even resolved. But basically what happened was that all of the members who sued were able to be released from their contracts, but they were not allowed to perform Dream Street songs or under the Dream Street name. So the producers and Chris, the last remaining member, tried to recreate a new Dream Street with four new boys, but this really never came to fruition, which is pretty sad. It seemed like Chris was really wanting to move forward with the group, and that was something that he was clinging to really tightly. Mm-hmm. None of the guys really went on to have the successful solo careers except Jesse. And as we touched on earlier, Chris died in 2020, but the guys did get all together for a virtual performance of It Happens Every Time to honor him, which is really sweet. And most of them agreed that of all the members of Dream Street, that Chris was the most proud and excited about the group. So I think that was probably really heartbreaking for him and really hard for him that nothing really came from it after the rest of the boys left. Well, he was on a song with Play called I'm Gonna Make You Love Me. And I think that's pretty substantial. I'm gonna make you love me. And he's like, hey, what's up, girls? And they're like, hey, Chris. <laughs> Hi, Chris. Hey, what's up, girls? Hey, Chris. 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 Hey,
I'm like, oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> Mary, who did we not have a crush on in the early 2000s? Like, I think it'd be easier to find people who we didn't have a crush on. Than... The limit does not exist. <laughs> the limit does not exist. So when we originally were researching for this episode, I was like, oh, I've heard that there's some rumblings of a documentary. And Greg, like just last week, posted a throwback Instagram of him and Chris mm. to honor Chris's birthday. And the caption hinted that there was something coming that he'd really love. So I think now we know what it is. It's that yeah. the group is coming back together, of course, without Jesse. I'm just really happy to hear that the boys are seem to be in really good graces with one another. Mm-hmm. So the year is 2004 and Jesse has moved on and he's returning back to his roots with acting. He was in the WB show Summerland, which ran for two seasons before it was canceled in 2005. Did you ever catch that show? I know Lori Lawlin was in it and that's about all I know that everyone's really tan and good looking. I probably wasn't allowed to watch it. Let's be real. But I know Sarah Paxton was in it. She was the blonde girl in Sleepover, like the mean girl. Yeah. And, and Aquamarine. Aquamarine. Yeah, she low-key like dated Jesse while they were co-stars in Summerland. And we'll get to a little bit more on that later. Oh my God, Mary with the T on the show that she didn't (laughs) even watch. Love that. But we shouldn't worry that the show is canceled because Jesse, ever the portfolio diversifier, (laughs) was working on new tunes all along. 2004 was a huge year for Jesse McCartney. First and foremost, in September of that year, he released his debut album, Beautiful Soul, which was two years in the making. And this album, we cannot understate what a huge success it was. It's certified platinum. It has sold more than 1.5 million copies. This album is full of bangers that still stand today. But not only that, Jesse co-wrote four songs on the album because he's talented. Those songs include She's No You. I love She's Know You when he goes, oh, no. <laughs> it's like my favorite part. What about you have to listen to the end of the song? He's like saying girl. He goes, girl, but he says it, girl. It's like it almost sounds like a sing. It's like, girl. I don't know. You have to listen to it and tell me if you hear the girl said a little bit oddly. <laughs> he also co-wrote on Get Your Shine On. That was then. What's your name? What's your name? What's your name? I mean, what a talent. This is kind of insane. Also, since we're talking about songwriters on this album, fun fact, Robin Thicke, Mr. Blurred Lines himself, wrote The Stupid Things. That song's kind of stupid. I agree. The (laughs) the stupid thing is this stupid song. I don't love this one. But as we all know, Beautiful Soul was the lead single from this album. I don't want my love to go to waste. I want you and your beautiful soul. It reached number 16 on the Billboard Hot 100 certified gold. And this music video just smells like teen spirit. Jesse and some of his friends go on a road trip. Their car breaks down. Mm. They jump into like an abandoned pool with like leaves all over it. <laughs> he almost makes out with somebody like, oh Ooh. my Lord. When he approaches his like love interest in that dirty leaf ridden <laughs> pool and he like puts his arms around her and she's like standing and saying, oh, I'm 13 again. Oh my God. I don't know about you. And maybe it's just because I watched a lot of these music videos consecutively, but I felt like this video paid a little bit of homage to his dream street days because they're driving out of new york city on the bridges that he once stood in the Uh. dream street it happens every time music video he's driving away from dream street the studio in new york city and into his you know young man adulthood i'm reaching really hard with this i can feel the deep stretch but i just feel like maybe there was something in there for us fans of dream street i don't think that's like that far of a stretch at all. I think artists are given the opportunity to like do little nods and pay homage to their past. So I think that could be right on the money, Kels. I know. Or maybe I've just been watching too many Taylor Swift TikTok <laughs> fan theories. Because it's like not everything's an Easter egg, girl. But, no, true. Oh. So anyways, this album solidified Jesse as the blonde heartthrob in 2004 on. He won multiple Teen Choice Awards, Nickelodeon Kids Choice Awards, and TBH. Like, that's when you know that you've made it. 
And Mary, I'm really dying to hear your faves from this album because I know you were a huge, huge Jessie fan. Okay, That Was Then is so good. If you don't know it, look it up. She's No You, obviously, just like a love song for the ages. And then I think the only ones <laughs> we didn't talk about were The Best Day of My Life. Just which you may remember hearing from a Cinderella story soundtrack and because you live my god from uh, Princess Diaries 2 soundtrack this song gives me BB Mac vibes I can hear it for sure like heavy guitar like a lot of emotion it's like pop rock perfection mm. so since you mentioned this song I went down a rabbit hole like doing some research because I forgot how much I love it and I found that one of the writers of this song is Andreas Carlson who's a Swedish producer mm. if you've listened to our podcast Literally for 15 minutes, you've heard how much we love our Swedish producers. And he's a part of the Sheyron Studios team. Same studios as our man, Max Martin. So Andreas wrote, I want it that way. And bye, bye, bye. And it's gonna be me. And Celine Dion's, and that's the way it is. And also, Can't Make You Love Me by our girl Brit. Like this man uh, is a fucking uh, legend so no wonder i love this song so much it makes sense and just wait so andreas collaborated with desmond child on the song and desmond is equally iconic in his own way because he's responsible for some of the most memorable songs of all time including living la vida loca by ricky martin living <laughs> on a prayer the man loves to live i guess and you give love a bad name by bon jovi and dude looks like a lady by aerosmith which you all know because it's in mrs doubtfire which she pretends the vacuum is a guitar. <laughs> this just blew my mind. Wow. And I'm sorry for this deep tangent, but it just reveals why I feel like this song is the perfect mix of Desmond's rock side <sighs> and Andrea's pop background that just brings it all together in this like perfect way. I love this kind of background detail. So I'm so glad you did this deep dive. That's why it is such a perfect pop song with a little bit of pop and also a little bit of rock. It's a perfect marriage. Lightning in a battle. So 2004 just continues to be the best year ever because Jesse was also featured in the Ella Enchanted soundtrack. He did a duet with Anne Hathaway and Don't Go Breaking My Heart. a cover obviously yes. but like oh my god this movie was so cute and so is jesse so now it's 2005 and jesse starts his beautiful soul tour it spanned 56 stops and later that summer he opened for the backstreet boys in mm. europe oh my god all roads lead back Ugh. to bsb so <laughs> after the album came out jesse also filmed this movie called keith I never saw it, but from the looks of its Wikipedia page, it looks like it's a walk to remember, <laughs> but Jesse is Mandy Moore, if that makes sense. <laughs> Sorry, that just it was a funny image for me when <laughs> I was reading that in our notes. I have never heard of that or seen that either. <laughs> like he's hiding this terrible secret and the secret is that like he's dying of cancer. <sighs> Oh, God, that's not funny at all. Oh God. No, but it's such a walk to remember vibe, according to the Wikipedia page, at least. Can we get Jesse's cover of Only Hope, maybe? Oh, my God, Mary. After filming for this movie that neither of us have ever seen or heard of rap, <laughs> Jesse started on his second album, Right Where You Want Me, mm. and he co-wrote all but one of the songs, which is like fucking amazing. Huge. And Mary, I know you have a ton of love for this album, so talk to me, GF. Yes, thank you, Kelsey. I need to cut in for this because I was a J-Mac stan growing up. I liked his deep cuts more than his radio hits. And I would never forgive myself if we did not at least touch on this album. It came out in 2006 and debuted at number 15 on the U.S. charts. It actually beat the first week sales of his first album, Beautiful Soul. However, the sales kind of trickled and it eventually sold less than 300,000 copies in the United States, which like isn't amazing. But I truly believe this is not because it was a bad album. It's just not filled with as many, I guess, radio-friendly hits, if that makes sense. It's just much more mature than his debut. And it really reflects his musical and personal growth since he recorded his debut album at age 15. Like, he was still kind of a kid there. Like Kelsey said, Jesse wrote on 10 of the 12 tracks on this album Cara Diaguardi is also a noted contributor on the album. Again, we mentioned her on our Hillary Duff episode. She 
did a lot of work with Hillary, Avril, Lindsay, like a lot of the it girls in this time. Check her out if you haven't heard of her. But Right Where You Want Me was the lead and only one of two singles released from the album. It was featured in Disney's Return to Halloween Town. I loved this song. Besides the title track, Right Back in the Water. Tell her. Just go. Just go. Honestly, look into this album if you've never given it a shot. There's some sleeper bops on it. And again, super impressive knowing how involved lyrically and creatively J-Mac was. Also, get some tissues out for this song, Invincible. Which is about losing someone in a drunk driving accident, which he later revealed was based on a true story and a friend of his who had passed away as a result of that. Apparently, when he would perform this, he would get extremely emotional. And I just respect the true artistry of the song, channeling this painful experience into just a beautiful, haunting song. Did you get into this era or album at all, Kels? I remember Right Where You Want Me. I remember hearing yeah. that everywhere. But I feel like that's the the main song that jumps out to me from this yeah. album. Okay, fair enough. I mean, that was the lead single. And there was only one other single released, Just So You Know. Just so you know this feeling's taking But it never received a full release in the United States due to lack of support from his record label at the time, Hollywood Records. And I just need to ask, like, why do labels do this? Like, they likely, you know, listen to the album, approve the album, went through all the tracks, approve those. Why don't they support and promote their artists and their work? Just get your full investments worth. I just don't get it. I know. And with his first album being such a huge right. success, like it just doesn't make sense. But I mean, the album still did so well. Like either mm-hmm. way, it just seems like the promotional piece of it just really didn't get its time to shine, which is really unfortunate. Yeah. And with his first two albums being such a huge success, I'm sure he felt the pressure to keep it up. And you will not be surprised to learn that his most successful song was still yet to come. So in 2007, Jesse co-wrote Literal Bop Till I Die, Bleeding Love with Ryan Tedder of One Republic. This song was produced by Jesse and Ryan for Jesse's third album. But according to a video I found of Jesse performing just this last year, he told the crowd that his label wasn't feeling this song and they didn't want him to put it on his album. So he gave it to British singer Leona Lewis for her Mm. debut album, Spirit. Well, he needs to get a new record label because (laughs) this song was nominated for Record of the Year at the 2009 Grammys. Jesse thankfully later released his own version of the song, which was released on some editions of his third album, which was called Departure. And he plays it live at his shows beautifully on the piano. I will always remember hearing this song for the first time. Leona Lewis is so talented. And when I found out that Jesse McCartney was behind it, oh my God. I almost wonder just like having Leona's voice on the song, like, took it to a next level. Like I love Jesse's version, but she has such range and Ryan Tedder's a genius. I feel like we could do an episode on him. I love Jesse's version though. Jesse's version is amazing. Right. It's a win-win. So that was 2007 when he wrote that song. Something else that started in 2007 for Jesse was another one of his ventures that spanned all the way through 2015. Kelsey, do you recognize this voice? Well, I think you look great just the way you are. (laughs) Uh, I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, right. I wouldn't expect you to, but that is actually our boy J-Mac voicing Theodore in the 2007 movie Elvin and the Chipmunks. He reprised his role in 2009 for the sequel titled Elvin and the Chipmunks, The Squeakquel. (laughs) The third installment in 2011 titled Elvin and the Chipmunks, Chipwrecked, 
And the fourth and final <laughs> film in the series, Album in the Chipmunks, The Road Chip in 2015. I'm sorry. I had to say all those titles because they're so cute. We <laughs> need to be a fly on the wall for those brainstorms when oh, they I came d- up with these names. The Squeakquel and Chipwrecked really <laughs> had me rolling on the floor. It's so cute. But we are women in STEM. And so I did a little research and I read that the four movies combined, this franchise grossed over $1.4 billion dollars. On a combined budget of $300 million. So they were super duper duper profitable. And honestly, probably a great opportunity and business decision made by Jesse. So that was going on during these years. He's voicing cute little Theodore. And on May 20th, 2008, we get Jesse's third. And if I had to pick, probably my favorite album of his, Departure. And the album was re-released as Departure Recharged on April 7th, 2009. And that's the version that I kind of want to focus on because it includes everything from Departure and some unmissable additions to the album. This album and era has been described by Jesse himself as a complete change in musical style compared to his previous releases. About the new album, he said, quote, I'm shooting for Prince chord changes, Michael Jackson melodies, and the bigness of Madonna. Fun 80s stuff, end quote. The album debuted at number 14 on the charts and stayed there for 24 weeks. Jesse wrote on four of the songs on this album, and interesting enough, it's not on any of the four singles released. Again, I think some of his best work is on non-singles. Let's go through a few of these and first touch on the four incredible singles from this album we get before hitting on a few of my favorite deep cuts. First, we get Leavin'. I love the interest to this song. As soon as we heard that intro beat, we knew what was coming. This was the first single from the album. It debuted at number 14 with a final rank at number 10. This had me leaving my man on a G5. (laughs) I was like, see you later. Yeah, this is it for me. This is my favorite Jesse Mm. McCartney song. It's still on all of my playlists. Girl, that thing you got behind you is amazing. A line so nice that he had to repeat it twice on this album. This line is also in body language. That thing you got behind you is amazing. Is he an ass man or is it just going on? One could assume. One could Mm -hmm. assume. This song is definitely my favorite. That intro, I'm so with you. And yeah, this was the era when we like first got our licenses and we're driving with like the windows down. I was leaving. Yeah. We were freaking leaving. Do you think his line in that song, don't stress, don't stress, just tell him to the left, left, left. Is an ode to Beyonce's Irreplaceable, where we get to the left, to the left. Because it came out two years prior, and that was the first time I had ever heard this reference of like to the left. Listen, I mean, Beyonce's influence knows no bounds. And Jesse being so like tapped in and such a talented songwriter, I do not doubt that that was a subtle little reference. Now, the second single we got in August 2008, It's Over. Now, this song didn't reach the success of Leaving. It peaked at number 62. But again, I love his vocals on this. He shows off his vocal range a bit in the song. You know, I wish it had charted and done better. And I love the kind of like technology references we get. You know, when you call I'm pressing seven. I'm not doing it right. And also he talks about his picture phone and her picture's yes. gone. Get the picture phone, baby, your picture's gone. Those are the high-tech, like, references of the age, and I love it. Like, people don't understand. Like, you needed to have, like, a picture phone. Oh, my Mm -hmm. God. I was, I smiled so big when I re-listened to this song and heard that reference, too. That's so funny that you picked that out, too. I feel like I remember hearing this song on the radio all the time, and I feel like it deserved more. Just didn't do as well, I think, as it should have, because it's a good song. The third single we get is How Do You Sleep? And this came out in January of 2009. And then we also got another single version of this song, of course, that featured Ludacris. And that one peaked at number 26 on the Hot 100. There's also like multiple renditions of a music video of this song since there were multiple versions of it. And Katy Perry is actually in one of them. I did not know that. Oh, oh, oh. 
God, I fucking love this song. Like, how did she sleep not talking to you for a year, Jesse? It makes me really happy that this song got so many chances to be great because it is a great song and it mm-hmm. just means that his label supported him in order to have multiple music videos. So like justice for Jesse. We continue to stand. We got one more single off this album and it was Body Language. This was the fourth and final single from the era. The album version is a solo, while the single version is the duet with, oh, you know who, (laughs) T-Pain. And it peaked at 35 on the Billboard Hot 100. This song taught me French. I was in (laughs) AP French, thanks to this song. (laughs) Parlez-vous français. I love that he collabs with so many rappers on this album. Yeah. Oh, my God. I haven't even gotten to Jesse's rap song yet, but it's one of my favorites. Again, I liked all these songs, but like they're not ones that I really seek out. I just feel like they were kind of radio songs. So there's nothing wrong with radio songs. I love a good radio song. But there's some other incredible songs on this album that never got their flowers that I think that we need to at least recognize. Rock You. This is a J-Mac rap, okay? He collaborates <laughs> with someone named Sean Garrett. And I, I got to be honest with you, like, I don't hate it. Wait, is this someone that's like rocky? Yes. It's like vocal fry in a song. <laughs> Maybe that's like my embarrassing taste and I'm willing to admit it, but I don't hate it. And there's also a song, My Baby. He's like, gotta make you my baby. It's like a cute song. He sounds good. His vocals sound good. Um, the song running. This is one of my favorite Justin McCartney songs of all time. Kelsey picked leaving. I am leaning towards running. I listen to this while I run. Surprise. It's actively on my running playlist. Irony. It's it's just like about someone who's like running away from something they know is good. Like you have that fear when you know something's good, but you're scared you're going to like mess it up. You don't want to take that step. He sounds good. It's catchy beat and a relatable message, I think. Told you so. A classic, beautiful pop ballad. The other guy's no good. And Jesse, he told her so. She should have listened to him, but she didn't. And look at where she is now. His voice on this sounds really beautiful. He hits some high notes on this one and it sounds excellent. Okay. Ooh, I'm looking at the other three songs we have on here and I might have to change my favorite one of all time. <laughs> this next one, Oxygen, is just like, oh, it's so good. And it just talks about how he literally cannot breathe without this woman. And it's just a beautiful love song. Okay, In My Veins is taking the place of running. This is my favorite J-Mac song of all times. And it's just oh like so- Oh my God. I know. It's so different for him. And I love it. just like very sexy. It's a new twist for J-Mac. He's growing up. He's like addicted to this girl. She's coursing through his veins. And I just love this different side we started to get from him at this time. And then finally, another favorite, only on the recharge departure version, Crash and Burn. Crash and Burn. It's kind of like about that relationship. It's going up in smoke. The plane's about to crash. Like, here we go. Crash and burn. Very relatable message and a great song as well. I love Crash and Burn. It has that slow build up and mm-hmm. then the beat comes and it's like, oh my God. And I love that it has those effects that sound like a clap. In my mind, it sounds more like a slap. <laughs> And I just find it so satisfying. (laughs) It's really good. I love that song too. So same page. It was also during this era and in 2008 when we got a pretty cool release from J-Mac. He released his cover of T-Pain's Buy You a Drink. A 
cover we never knew we needed so badly. I wonder if this was born from his and T-Pain's collaboration on How Do You Sleep? He actually performed this on his tours and I can officially say that I witnessed this and have <gasps> footage of it somewhere on a SD card in my pink camera that's <gasps> in a ditch somewhere. Did it, you like, I didn't- die? Oh, yeah. He did a great job with it, too. It was awesome. I remember when this came out, and it was, like, such a big deal that Jesse McCartney was covering. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And we were in high school, and it was like, yeah, let me buy you a drink of soda. (laughs) (laughs) Also, to pivot, in 2008 as well, because he does it all, Jesse McCartney also popped up on an episode of Law & Order SVU. It just goes to show how all over the place, how busy he was at this time. And he's a true triple threat. But like, he's actually a good actor. He keeps getting jobs. He's actually a great singer. He keeps winning prestigious awards. Like, he's just truly a very talented person. And it doesn't stop there, obviously. To support the release of Departure, Departure, Recharge, Jesse then went out on his tour with another rising pop princess at the time. The Jesse and Jordan live tour was a co-headlining concert tour where Jordan Sparks was also promoting her self-titled debut album. And so her and Jesse went out together for this tour. So it was kind of like an abridged tour, I think, because right after that, in 2009, Jesse went out on his headlining solo tour to promote Departure. And this was the tour that I went to. Shout out to my friend, Danny. This was the first concert we were allowed to go to without a parent. So it's definitely like tattooed in our minds forever. On that note, I have a terrible memory generally, but I just remember it was like super high energy and his vocals were just like the CD, but he was singing. Like he was very good live. Also, we were in a mosh pit. (laughs) Yes, Jesse had a mosh pit and we were bringing the big pit energy BPE trademark pending. And damn, that sounds like a (laughs) core memory for sure. Oh my God. I wish I had that camera and that SD. Like it has to be somewhere. But later that year, Jesse went on to open for New Kids on the Block on their world tour in the summer of 2009. In 2009, again, Jesse was not done. He co-headlined with uh, Disney darlings Miley Cyrus and Demi Lovato at Disney's second annual Concert for Hope. The concert was to benefit the City of Hope, cancer research treatment, and educational programs. We love a philanthropic king. I don't remember any of these concerts. Do you? Yeah, because Miley and Demi, remember, they were like enemies, So it was like a big deal to have Miley and Demi together. So did it like air on Disney Channel or something? I don't even remember. I feel like I remember Um, seeing photos of her and like my teen people. (laughs) Okay. I just for some reason don't have a recollection of this, but I'm sure if I saw pictures, I would remember because I was all over that shit back in the day. So to wrap up his very, very, very busy 2009, our senior year in high school, I may add, Jesse appeared as a recurring character in the ABC family series Greek for several episodes playing a star football player who joins Capital. His character eventually decides to depledge the fraternity after citing all these pressures between football and Greek life, combined with Rusty, another main character, stealing his girlfriend, Jordan. I loved this show and totally forgot we got a dose of J-Mac in it. And it's such a nostalgic kick. I feel like I need to go rewatch that now. So there's kind of a gap. This was like 2009 to 2010. I don't really have much from Jesse until 2013. And that was on May 13th, 2013. This is an important one for Kelsey and I. It was confirmed on air with Ryan Seacrest that Jesse would be joining the Backstreet Boys and DJ Polly D. Totally <laughs> forgot that he was like a part of this. On there in a world like this tour, kicking off later that summer. Oh, Kels, we should have went to that tour. I have so many regrets. So many. And this is at the top near like the Backstreet Boys cruises. Like I know. DJ Polly D and BSB. <laughs> what? what was their PR manager thinking? <sighs> I guess it was peak like Jersey Shore days. Yes. And, you know, the Backstreet Boys weren't at their peak right then. It probably right. helped to have right. someone younger, Polly more D. relevant. Yeah. They were definitely like, ooh, what are the youths doing right now? And someone <laughs> in marketing was like, oh, our data shows that they're watching Jersey Shore. That's how that happened. But August that same year, 2013, we get his single, Back Together. together. 
I thought this was a great song. It had like almost a jazzy vibe to it. I love the song. There's horns. It's catchy. It's upbeat. I don't care if it's corny. It's good. And the single came out through an independent label, 808 Records. But it seems like that was the right move because he was seemingly having these continuous struggles with his label. Case on point, the story I have for you next. So... <clears throat> in Technicolor is the fourth studio album we got from Jesse McCartney. It came out in July 2014. So like almost a year after he released Back Together, the lead single. This album marked his return to music after his kind of lost album, Have It All. We'll get there. Are you keeping up with this story? Because it gives me a little bit of whiplash, but stay with me. <laughs> so now the story behind it explains why we didn't hear much from Jesse between 2010 and 2013. And it honestly reminds me a bit of the story behind Britney Spears' original doll album, her missing album, the album we never got. So to rewind for a second, Jesse released a single called Shake on September 21st, 2010. It did pretty well. It peaked at number 54 on the Hot 100. The next month, he announced that his album, Have It All, would be released in January of 2011. Bottom line, tale as old as time, it kept getting pushed back, pushed back, and eventually just completely shelved. And it sounds like, again, he had a lot of issues with this record label at the time, Hollywood Records. Nobody was supporting, you know, the vision and what they had planned for the album. Probably terrible, shitty stuff to have go on when you're an artist and trying to create. There were like three years of this kind of him recording an album and then it basically just getting pushed back, pushed back, pushed back and then thrown away. So our next release from him wasn't until 2014 in Technicolor and that's why. Did you know any of this, Kels? No. And I'm just so confused. Like he was so successful. Like why he not support him? everywhere. Yeah. Right. That just seems like there's something. Can you write a tell-all book, Jesse? Please just tell us what happened because it's insane. Like, I know. I really feel like they stunted his growth. We hear that sometimes with artists. They feel really constrained, unsupported by their, you know, these big record labels and they're not able to put out music or put out the music they want. And it just seems like Jesse was a victim of that. But nevertheless, he persisted. So we got in Technicolor in 2014 and and he kind of described the vibe of this album as follows, quote, the album sort of has a retro flair and you can hear it throughout the record. A lot of that late 70s, early 80s pop funk influence. So Prince, Michael Jackson, Earth, Wind and Fire, they all made an impact on me at a very young age growing up listening to music. So I wanted to make an album that was sort of a reflection of what I grew up listening to. End quote. Critics were also very positive. A writer from Pop Dust rated the album four out of five, and he wrote that Jesse's smooth and jazz-fused vocals helped move him from a simple heartthrob to a legitimate musician and compared the style of the album to that of like Bruno Mars and Justin Timberlake. Do you have exposure to this album, Kels? Yeah, I remember listening to it, and it totally reminds me of Justin Timberlake's mm -hmm. style, for sure. That 70s vibe, too. It makes me think of like hairspray type vibes. Like, yeah. I'd be drinking a martini in like a Palm Springs, like mid-century modern house. There are like a couple songs on it that I really, really like. And it kind of reminds me of like Senorita. Like when you said Justin Timberlake, yeah. like, I think of like that album a little bit. Or like early like Maroon 5 vibes. Yeah, definitely. And so then we got a second single after Back Together. And it came out in July of 2014. That was called Super Bad. And I really like this song. It, again, more of a mature tone for him with that funk he was talking about. I like Super Bad. It's vibey. And the third single, Punch Drunk Recreation, not my favorite. Just a little punch drunk recreation. No, not, not mine either. <laughs> no, it was released in November of 2014. But like, again, otherwise, I just wasn't as into the album as much as I was his first few. It's just, you know, everyone has their own style preference. It's not that I didn't think it was like good. It just wasn't my cup of tea as much. But it's worth noting impressively that Jesse was a writer on every single track and the album reached the top 20 on iTunes because this is when iTunes was a thing and 35 on the Billboard charts. Not too shabs. And then Jesse went out and headlined his Intacticolor tour in 2014. That was 2014. So another four years go by. You know, he's working on his chipmunk movies. I think he has a few appearances in like TV he's shows. He's working on his chipmunk movies. <laughs> but like, actually, I'm sure he's writing, you know, all that stuff. He's busy. But 
he's busy, but you know, that's a long time to go without putting out an album. But we get a single from him called Better With You in 2018. It's a very pretty love song ballad, but again, didn't really hear much from him otherwise from that to 2020. I think that's partly because he was busy acting. In the summer of 2014, he had a guest starring role in the ABC Family series, Young and Hungry. Jesse played Cooper and he was like this computer hacker nerd and he was interested in the show's lead, Emily Osment of Hannah Montana fame. And this show's actually on Netflix and I've randomly like watched it and it's actually like a cute show. I'm so glad you watched it. It was like, oh my God, I need to watch it and I never got around to it. It's like very light, easy to just like half pay attention to and have it on the background. Like I I enjoyed it. And then again, we see him pop up in Fear the Walking Dead in 2016 as Reed, an aggressive member of a group of pirates, whatever the hell that means. I have no idea. The range, the range. So he's, you know, he's keeping busy, just not, doing as much music which is fine we support him but in 2019 we get his live album the resolution tour live which is a mix of a lot of his older bops and new songs in live version form and i just love and appreciate so much that he did this because this is all i want from the backstreet boys like give me some live albums please fans will eat that shit up and i have eaten the resolution tour live album up he sounds great a few of these are consistently in my rotation so now we're in 2020 and jmac competed on the third season of the mass singer as turtle <laughs> He took second place. Hey, second place. I respect it. He notably performed some classic songs, Break Even, Kiss from a Rose, There's Nothing Holding Me Back, amongst others, and lost to the Candy Burris, who was the first female winner of the show. So again, respect. In May of 2020, his next single, Friends, was released. Actually, it's like a little dubstep beat drop here in this song, which is like not what I expected, but I actually kind of like it. I listened to it the first time today and I was like, okay, I like the song. Get this. This is cool. The official music video for the song featured his former Greek castmates, Scott Michael Foster, who played Cappy, Jacob Zacher, who played Rusty, and Paul James, who played Calvin. And we also get an appearance from Jesse's now wife, Katie Peterson, and the couple's dog. And like now I'm like, are they also friends? Like that's so cool. So cute. It was like very nostalgic and gave me a warm feeling in my heart. That must mean they're all friends. So I like that. And then on June 11th, 2020, as Kelsey kind of already mentioned, it would have been Chris Truesdell's 35th birthday and J-Mac and his Dream Street brethren and bandmates, Greg, Frankie, and Matt reunited for a virtual performance of It Happens Every Time to pay tribute to Chris. It happens every time when I see you. It happens every time when I think of you. It happens every time. Oh, it's magic when we meet down on this was the first public appearance of Dream Street together as a group since the disbandment over the lawsuits. So that's like 20 years or something in the making. Too long. And sad under which circumstances they got back together. I would imagine they would have some regrets, you know, that they hadn't done it sooner when like the champion of Dream Street right. was still alive. You know, I, I would imagine that would have been hard. But okay. So here we are. j Mac's fifth and most recent studio album, New Stage, was released on October 8th, 2021. This was his first album in seven years. And the record was preceded by two singles, Kiss the World Goodbye. And Party for Two. Now, the music video for Kiss the World Goodbye is kind of cool. Him and his wife, Katie, make a Bonnie and Clyde-esque short film as the music video to go along with it. Party of Two is also kind of a cute love song. And the music video also, again, features his wife, Katie, and it shows them being goofy and silly together. I kind of like that he has her and all his stuff. It's cute. 
The album is titled New Stage because Jesse has said that he's felt like he's entered into this next major phase in his life. He said, I'm going to be this married guy. It's like all of a sudden I blinked and I'm grown up doing grown up things and making grown up decisions. It just feels like I'm in chapter two of my life at 34 years old and I'm really happy about it. He then goes on to say, overall, I think that the message on this album is I'm just so grateful for all that I've been given. And we love a grateful king. We love this vibe that I'm getting from him. He seems happy, like not pressured, doing right. what he wants his way. And I just not jaded by being a child yes. star. He's yes. 13. Like, I know. oh my God. And after like how shitty his label seemed to allegedly treat yes. him, like yes. did not come out of that with bitterness. Huge. Love that. And to promote this album, he went on a North American tour throughout 2021. And I have to admit, I haven't been as checked into this new era, but I reached out to my friend Danny, who I went to that first concert with. As she has remained a pretty diehard fan over the years, and she loves this album and actually went to see him in tour. He just wrapped up and said he seems great and his vocals are still perfect and flawless. And she said it was just a really good time. So I mentioned how Jesse said about this new stage album, how he was inspired by this new phase in his life. He's now a married man. He's all grown up. You know, he's got his big boy pants on. We love it. <laughs> I would be remiss, though, to wrap this episode up if we didn't touch on both his iconic dating history and a little bit on his new bride. Which is so funny because, like, I never got the impression that he was, like, a fuckboy. No. I never really heard a ton about his relationships, even though he was, like, a heartthrob. He genuinely yeah. just seems like a beautiful soul. But yeah. I'm excited to also hear the tea that you uncovered. So give it to me. <laughs> and this is just all that I uncovered. I would imagine there's a lot that we as the public don't know, as with most celebrities. Of course, a lot of course. On. But, but blah, 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 blah. Tell us yeah. the <laughs> So from 2004 to 2005, he dated his Summerland co-star, Sarah Paxton. I can only imagine there is some potential for drama if you break up on a set and then have to still work together, especially when you're like a child. But hoping there was no drama. But then came one of his most serious public relationships that was about two plus years from 2005 to 2007 with the gorgeous Katie Cassidy. And I remember seeing her for the first time in When a Stranger Calls, and I was like, who is this queen? And then I found out she was dating Jesse, and I was like, mm -mm, womp, womp. But so get this, Katie used to date Jesse's Dream Street band member, Greg Raposo, in 2002. After their split, Jesse ended up asking Greg for Katie's number. Greg already had a new girlfriend and apparently was okay with it. And if you need a refresher, you can actually see Katie in Jesse's She's No You music video. Uh, I love how he just features all his girlfriends and wives in his projects. It's so cute. I know. That is cute. He also dated the legendary Brenda Song from 2007 to 2008. And in late 2008, he was linked to Disney darling Danielle Panabaker from like Ice Princess and Stuck in the Suburbs. You know, it goes on and on. But also in 2008, he was seen kissing Aubrey O'Day from Danity Kane. And in 2009, Ooh. I know, he was seen canoodling with Hayden Panettiere at a bar. Like, oh my Ooh. God. I know. And then from 2011 to 2012, he was with Eden Sassoon from The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Not, yes, she is 14 years his senior. And like, whatever, do you do what makes you happy? But there was definitely a big gap there. And she is the daughter of hair icon Vidal Sassoon. Wait, Eden? That's yes. wild. And they were like dating, not like a hookup. They like dated. Old men date young women. No, so like, it's just. Fine. But I'm just shocked yeah. that she dated Jesse McCartney. That's wild. Again. Also, the fact that you brought up Danielle Panabaker, I literally haven't heard that name in so long. So so long. Um, she has mm. 4 million Instagram followers. More than Jesse? Yeah, something's off here. There is a <laughs> Does glitch. algorithm hate Jesse? Like, what's happening? Jesse, get on TikTok. If you're listening, get on TikTok. Yeah, do your you. acting skits on TikTok. <laughs> okay, if you look at his Instagram right now, his last post is from April. He's wearing a cute little oh. cowboy hat, little get up. Like, oh my God. Sweet pea. He is oh. sweepy. And like even after you talk about like all these relationships and stuff, I don't remember ever reading anything no. about him being gross or like any bad breakups. 
like anyone no. being like, oh, Jesse, fuck me up. He's like, like or I, he's like a pervert or like he did something inappropriate. Like you don't really see right. those stories about him. No, that just makes me love him even more. Well, don't worry. He finally found his person and he married Katie Peterson in 2021. And they've actually been together since 2012. So her and Jesse met in a bar in 2012 when he went to meet a friend and she was waiting for them to finish so she could close the restaurant. She was working as a waitress and Jesse left his number for her on a napkin, legend behavior, and the rest is history. While Jesse did sing at their wedding, he confirmed it was not Beautiful Soul after being asked that like a hundred times, which I get it. It's probably kind of cheesy to like sing that to your wife after you sing it like a million times, but Katie went to the University of Mississippi and is also an actress. You can see her in Step Up Revolution and Graceland. And I love that chance encounter story and that he ended up like just so happy and healthy with some of these teen and child stars. You never really know how it's going to turn out or how they're going to end up. And I also wanted to know that our episode next week is about one of the women in Jesse's dating history. So... Place your bets. We want to hear your guesses. But that is all I had. You killed it, Mare. Wow. I will never get tired of listening to his songs. No, we're both like going through it right now, just like binging J-Mac music because it's just so good and it stands the test of time. I know. When I listen to his music, I just feel like I'm 15 again, like how to get my learner's permit and just have my life ahead of me. We still do. We still do. You're so right. We still do. But cheers to Jesse. Cheers to you if you're still listening and you made it this far (laughs) and didn't leave us to go binge his songs on Spotify. Yes. Well, that's all we had for today. Thank you so much for joining us and for listening to our deep dive episode on Jesse McCartney. We had so much fun and are just totally re-sucked back into all his music. And if you liked what you heard, feel free to rate us five stars wherever you listen. But now we're leaving. On a deep dive, deep dive. Bye. Bye. <laughs>